0: <laughs> hello and welcome to the seeking health podcast i am josiah and i'm in we were missionaries for seven years
1: until we step back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs
0: right now i'm a christian but not an evangelical
1: and i'm an agnostic
0: and we are deconstructing and reconstructing together listen to some of our key episodes such as deconstructing together Domestic Abuse, I Am a Survivor. The Cult of ATI, Part 1 and 2,
1: and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. Today with us we have Tatiana Milny, and her and I connected on Facebook through one of our deconstruction group, our Leaving uh, Fundamentalism, and she wanted to share her story and I was really excited to chat with you and to have you on our podcast to share your story. We seem to have a lot in common and it was really neat to hear to hear what you were sharing with me on messenger and um, how it connects and also that you're you've been out for longer than I am and it's been really kind of neat to um, just hear about your journey um, so we were wondering, yeah, we were happy to have you on our podcast, and I don't know if you want to give a little introduction about yourself and some of your background story?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm 37, and I basically grew up in a Reformed Calvinist um, church, pretty much uh, started out Baptist, um, so Reformed Baptist, um, very mildly Reformed at the very beginning in my younger years, not nearly as extreme. Still very fundamentalist, very reformed, but a little bit more normal. Like, I mean, people looked a little bit more normal, you know, (laughs) because school, you know, you didn't have to go to Christian school, you didn't have to homeschool. Um, So that was a little bit easier, you know, when I was very young. Um, But outside of the church, um, you know, those beliefs were being you know, you know, reiterated to me over and over and over. So that's really when the trauma started at a very young age. So, um, you know, with Calvinism and Reformed theology, um, they don't really believe in children being able to be saved. Um, So I kind of grew up just afraid. Um, You know, I I was told I was too young to give myself to Christ. And of course, with um, anybody familiar with Calvinism and Reformed theology, you know, it's all about predestination. So before the earth was ever made by God, he already decided who was chosen, who was not. Um, so basically my parents told me, we don't know if you've been chosen and wow. we'll have to wait and find out. So it was really hard to, you know, know about hell and demons and, you know, all this stuff and then not be able to even have a chance to say I'm saved and feel safe. So wow. it was a constant struggle. I mean, every night it was just like constantly afraid to go to sleep, you know, afraid to get up. If, if demons could get me, that kind of thing, because then they said I was open to, you know, evil spirits since the Holy Spirit was not inside of me yet or possibly not. So, um, yeah, that was really hard and, um, around the age of 11, I started having intense um insomnia um I think that was the start of the trauma when they started to realize how bad the trauma was um and I was told that was this one too uh for not trusting God and having fear so that was the reason it wasn't sleeping which was ridiculous because like well I can't be saved but I'm supposed to trust God <laughs> I mean I so it was just this crazy oxymoron so that kind of was a blessing in disguise because it was the first time I, age 10 11 where I just was like this really doesn't add up this doesn't make sense and you know in the back of my mind those thoughts were starting to come in um of course I felt very guilty about them very sinful for having them constantly like praying to God please forgive me please forgive me I didn't mean those thoughts I didn't need to question anything but they kept you know just popping up and I would ask my parents a lot of things and didn't get good answers i mean, just Like, so, um, why did God decide to make the earth and make, you know, angels and let them didn't he stop Adam and Eve, you know, or why did he create the world and let them, you know, knowing that they would basically choose the wrong path and that the world would be fallen from then on. And I couldn't get an answer on that. I couldn't get an answer on anything pretty much. I mean, there were so many things that I had questions about. And, you know, elders, pastors, Bible studies, parents, nobody could give me a really good answer on a lot of things. So that was always in the back of my mind. And, you know, at the same time, I was also being taught my parents were pretty intellectual. Um, so I was taught to think for myself at the same time being told not to, it was really weird. Um, I think that was because my mom was not as into it as my father was. I think in the back room of her mind, she had a lot of doubts too. Do. Um, but of course, she had to be submissive to her husband. Um, so yeah. Um, so basically the churches just kept getting stricter as my dad, who has narcissistic personality disorder, wanted more and more power and more attention and that kind of thing. And just needed that constant, you know, adoration, and you know, people thinking he was the best ever. And, you know, he would constantly go after leadership positions in churches and then not get them. And then we'd go to another church. So <laughs> um, after, you know, a semi-normal Elfler. church ended up in, uh, gosh, um, we ended up in a, a Bill Gothard church. It was, I guess, kind of reformed. That was really a weird one. Um, I, You guys know, book authored? I, I grew up in that. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that. So, yeah, that was definitely weird for us. Even my dad got kind of freaked out by that. I was like, I don't want to kind of like, <laughs> like I don't, I know. And um, so we went there for a while. Um, you know, skirts that were normal, like church skirts, they didn't seem like you know, like crazy and modest or anything, but, you know, I'd get not disinvited to hang out with the pastor's kids and, you know, all sorts of things that they saw what I was wearing. They didn't want me around and that kind of thing. So um yeah, we eventually left there and um, that's when my parents switched to a Orthodox Presbyterian church. Um, That was also reformed and Calvinist. And that was the most extreme by far. And um, at that time, I was about 12, 13. Um, So I was really starting to think for myself. And um, basically around that time was when my parents were also letting me be able to say I was a Christian and saved. So I kind of had to just go with it and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I've been wanting this my whole life. And so it was a struggle because I just didn't understand how my parents were very educated. My dad was a master's in biology, that kind of thing. could believe all this crap. I mean, it was just like, I mean, I knew from just reading books, you know, that maybe my parents didn't realize were telling the truth about things um you know it just didn't make sense and I just started to lose respect for you know the church leadership the people at the church um all that um just everybody's crazy beliefs um the fact that my dad was constantly changing his mind about things we'd keep the Sabbath holy then we wouldn't you know for a while because he would not want to and then we'd go back to that and you know it was just now we believe this. Now we believe this. Now we believe this. And it was just so much. And it was so hard because all I wanted to do was be perfect, of course. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as a narcissistic parent, um, you know, you're constantly just trying to please them, make them happy. And the the thing I could only do is, you know, try to be the most, you know, perfect Christian girl I could be. Um, but that was just impossible because you can't please a narcissist. So no matter what I did, it was sin, right. sin, sin. And, um, yeah, so just a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, um, never really did anything wrong. Um, was homeschooled until my sophomore year, um, after my Christian school was too liberal, Um, so, and then I finally talked to my parents into letting me go to high school for the last three years, um, a public high school in a good school district that was known to be pretty conservative. Um, so they let me, as long as they only let me have Christian friends and Mormon friends were okay, I guess, um, because they trusted them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I was then able to, go to a regular youth group um, at a mainstream Presbyterian church because my parents wanted to make sure that I was friends with Christian kids if I was going to go to public school. Um, So that gave me a little bit more freedom and kind of started me on that path of, you know, realizing all the things that I'd been gaslighted into believing were just not making sense at all. And I just kind of had to hide it. So I pretty much just stayed quiet for, you know, the last three years of high school. And I pretty much expected to leave um, fundamentalism, but still go to a mainstream Christian church. Um, So basically how that happened was um, when my mom went to the church elders of that church. My dad was up for an eldership role and she just, you know, she had gotten to the point where she felt like she had to say, listen, he's emotionally abusing us. He's verbally abusing us. He's, you know, just a mean, angry man. He's not a good father. He's not a good husband. Um, You know, he was supposed to be the leader of the household, but he didn't really want to do that. But he wanted the power, but he didn't really want to have to do anything with to guide us as a good Christian man should. Um, So basically, being the Christian woman, she believed herself to me. She thought it was the right thing to do. And she went to them. They did some counseling sessions um, with her and my dad, um, some with him, and then a couple with me that were completely bizarre and really freaked me out. Um, The pastor actually took me into his office alone and told me a weird story about his sister almost having an affair when she was on a business trip and then basically asked me if I was promiscuous because of my father. And I was a 16-year-old virgin, very much a virgin, never kissed a boy or anything. Um, So that freaked me out beyond belief and um, yeah, that kind of solidified my feelings about you know, the reformed church and Calvinism and the hypocrisy and all of that. And like, how are these the chosen people? You know, it's like, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was just insane. He I mean, was just picking and choosing the sins that were, you know, the ba- bad ones and the ones that weren't. And it was just very confusing. So, um yeah. So um, basically I, where they just said, you know, he's doing everything. Um, we think you're not a kind and gentle spirited woman and you know you obviously aren't um you know basically being that submissive wife that you need to be for your husband to be a good christian husband and it was her fault so they were going to put her under church discipline which meant sending out letters to everybody in the congregation um and that kind of thing so she decided right then and there even though my parents were still married that she was leaving the church um so my oldest brother and I kind of did it as well with her um so um by then I was in college but I I would go with them to mainstream churches we tried every denomination Catholicism Mm -hmm. Methodist you know like anything you can imagine um and it was weird that yeah it was better it wasn't quite as extreme I knew people probably were a lot more normal but it was a lot of the same stuff I mean it was really similar and I was just like no this I thought it was going to be different like I always heard about these evil liberal churches and I was so excited <laughs> to be a part of them and they weren't really that like liberal or open-minded or accepting it was still kind of you know just a wash down version of what I grew up with um so after that I basically just kind of gave up and um started out with thinking I might be an atheist um there wasn't tons that I knew about out there to read besides that so Dawkins Hitchens started out with that a lot of it did make sense a lot of it still makes sense to me as far as the science and that kind of thing um but over time I realized that atheism was just i couldn't be an atheist it was just like being a fundamentalist to me like it's saying you have all the answers it's saying there's no god or you know that you know for sure that there's nothing else um so at that point um i just realized that that was just too dogmatic and too you know hypocritical as well it's just another to me, a form of religion, no offense to any atheist out there. I mean, totally cool with them, but um, <laughs> uh, from there, um, basically agnostic still, um, to the most extent, um, definitely over the years, I've become a lot more open minded, so um, uh, more on like a spiritual quest, um, open to you know positive energy more Buddhist beliefs not all of Buddhism but you know that kind of spirituality without religion um and the possibility that there is something out there some higher power I don't think it's the God of the Bible by any means um definitely not the Old Testament one which is basically what I grew up with we hardly ever studied the New Testament in in my churches it was mostly Old Testament so Hmm. um yeah so that's um kind of the short version as far as everything went but yeah the overlying um trauma i mean would definitely have been you know the young age and being afraid of basically going to hell and not being able to be saved and then by the time i was able to be saved i had already kind of you know been turned off so badly by it. i mean that no church would tell me that I can be a Christian that I can be saved and that kind of thing until I was 16 That's when I was baptized finally. Um, So yeah. So, and that was just kind of going through the motions. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm getting baptized now. (laughs) Like (laughs) I wanted this when I was like five, but okay. Yeah. So, um, and then the narcissism and, you know, just the fact that my dad was such a hypocrite and, um, I think that was a blessing in disguise, you know, having a narcissistic parent using religion for their own personal gain um, and not for actually believing the actual Bible and following the beliefs of the Bible. Um, unlike uh, my family did, my excited family on my mom's mom side that were all reformed Calvinist as well. Um, they were a lot more. I Would say I, less hypocritical, you know. At least they followed it. I mean, I, I respect that more if you yeah. actually follow the Bible to the best ability that you can. I mean, everybody picks and chooses, obviously, you can't follow it all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at least they Am were like word I mean, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like, um. You know, I was like you know, no concubines anymore or anything I and mean, I, <laughs> I was like what's up with the concubines and you know all that but um yeah I think it was definitely good for me in that way even though growing up with a narcissistic father and that spiritual abuse and everything like that um to see the hypocrisy firsthand and see it just day after day after day and realizing like I'm way more moral than he is. I mean, and I wasn't being pompous. I was, I had a kind heart and I looked at these churches and my dad, especially, and I didn't see any love. I didn't see any forgiveness, um, acceptance, anything like that. It was just, you know, everybody one upping each other over who's the most holy and, you know, who follows the Bible the best and who makes sure to make it to morning service and Bible study and, Sunday school and evening service and you know all of that and um yeah so after seeing that I just definitely realized that if God is all powerful (laughs) I don't know how that works out like just yeah get it so yeah um but yeah so um after um you know basically trying every denomination out there and all of that and everything my mom my brother myself we all pretty much just stopped going to church and kind of kept it quiet because of our families um so I was off on my own by then um but it was definitely kind of shunned by the family from then on as far as I mean it was already shunned before my relatives were always telling my parents that they were worried about my soul I was too opinionated I um you know was not a quiet gentle submissive girl (laughs) and that kind of thing and um so you know it was not hard to I guess be kind of like judged by them because I was already judged by them when I was a Christian so it's like who cares I mean it's it's happening no matter what I might as well do what I want I might as well live my life how I want figure out what I really believe and that's pretty much the start of me basically being on this journey, and I started counseling pretty much right away. So, oh, that's really me, great. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew I was having panic attacks. I didn't really have the name for it. I knew I was I had a ton of anxiety. You know, lots of nightmares, that kind of thing. Um, so I definitely knew I needed help. Um, but you know, it's the long journey. It took a bunch of counselors. A lot of them don't understand narcissism pretty much yeah. none yeah. of them Calvinism or yeah. even mentalism really like it was just like oh that's too bad you know <laughs> you don't have to go to church anymore honey it's like no I don't think you get what it was no. like <laughs> so the religious trauma yeah. is huge it's huge yeah and it sticks with you and pops up in the weirdest ways I mean yeah unexpected yeah. yeah yeah it happened to me probably a month ago I mean my boyfriend just unexpectedly woke me up and I don't know what I I thought a demon was like after me or something and I just like freaked out and he was like what the hell you know um he's a Christian um he's a Methodist um grew up Methodist doesn't go to church very often or anything like that but um considers himself a Christian um and I'm fine I'm totally fine with that you know we definitely respect each other's beliefs and Um, you know, I think it's more cultural for him than anything. But um, yeah, he just can't he can't understand, even though he's we've been together eight years, known each other for ten, he still can't fully understand when you grow up in a liberal Methodist church that you don't have to go to every week and you know, (laughs) gay people are okay and like all the things that I dreamed of. You know, I was like, Oh my gosh like you're so lucky (laughs) so I'm like you don't understand like it was a cult it was a cult I I was trapped so I was gaslighted I was brainwashed I was abused by you know the clergy I mean and by the other members you know of the church you know being really judgmental and rude and you know, along with that, obviously spankings and that kind of thing for doing pretty much nothing. You know, it's like I don't even know what sin I just committed, but I'm getting hit. So, um, yeah. So that, yeah, yeah.
0: So thanks well, so much for sharing, kind of an overview of your story. And what I've heard is, you've got a number of of really difficult things to untangle now as an adult. And Right. you mentioned going to counselors and them not getting it and this has been our experience too is there's things that if if you don't have specific training in narcissism people just won't get it because the rules that apply to normal people don't apply to narcissists normal persons right. having a problem oh well just forgive them and like you know talk some about these and talk <laughs> it through maybe come in together yeah. and we can work it out you know but it. narcissism no that's that's you not do how it, about works. it. <laughs> uh and yeah. the other thing is this you know when people don't understand that religion does expect on exist on a spectrum and there is the the fundamentalist cult like extreme in just about any religion but certainly it exists in ours and that's what we're talking about today and and you have experienced that and we've experienced that and and when people don't understand that then they just don't know how to engage because like, well, religion's okay. Maybe went a little bit overboard. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand what happened there. Right. Um, so it's what very I would love, <laughs>
2: it's,
0: it is it very good. Yes, yeah. 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 I'm wondering if you could help define like, cause I can tell it in some of the, the words you've dropped already about narcissism and um, and gaslighting that you've done some research on this.
2: Oh, yeah. What does oh,
0: narcissism, how, how would you explain what a narcissist is first of all? And then I'm going to ask you a second question. What is religious narcissism?
2: Yeah, great questions. Um, so I didn't even know that my dad was a narcissist probably till I was about 17, 18, 19 from there. Um, my mom was going to counseling by herself and mm-hmm. a counselor actually brought it up to her. She read a book oh, about it. It's hmm. like, you got to read this. She's like, this, this, now we know, like, because she, we've been trying to, you know, make him it's a happy a light bulb, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like it was myself and the oldest three younger brothers, my mom, all trying to please him. Of course, my mom and I got the worst of it because he's a total misogynist. Um, a uh-huh. mother that abused him as well. Um, his whole family is pretty much narcissistic. Um, so yeah, I, I, when I found out what narcissism was, it was textbook and basically how I describe it is a narcissist, a true narcissist, not just somebody that's got a big ego or what most people <laughs> think. It is somebody that is incapable of change, incapable of self reflection incapable of even acknowledging anything that they've ever done wrong. Um, even if they say they have, they're lying and they don't believe it. And um, yeah, they, they will never change for anybody. And that actually gave me so much peace when I Mm -hmm. figured that out, it really helped because I couldn't do anything. I was such a people pleaser. I was trying to be perfect, perfect grades. perfect morals, perfect everything, you know, you know, knowing my Bible, like just doing everything perfect. And it was never, ever, ever good enough and it always messed up. And I didn't even know what I did. And um, then when I found out like, you can't make these people change, and they will never ever acknowledge that they even have a problem, and you can't do anything about it. It gave me freedom. I'm like, well, never mind, to stop trying. So, I mean, if he's gonna be mad at me, I don't care. You know, some people mm-hmm. go no contact with narcissists. Um, I've chosen not to. Um, I've chosen to forgive after years of counseling because I don't want to carry on that negative energy and that resentment. Um, I feel bad for the little boy that was abused that turned into the man he did. That's not an excuse, Mm -hmm. but I have as little contact with him as possible just because the interactions are always unpleasant and always bring back that anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, uh, thankfully, um, he is no longer living in my state. My mom divorced him in her late fifties. Um, it took her that long or early think it was finalized in their 60s um and he moved to maui with my narcissistic uncle and they live there um but um religious narcissism just takes it to a whole new level um because you have god behind you so yeah <laughs> when you can you know use everything that a narcissist would use to claim the perfect And then you choose not only religion and fundamentalist religion, but Calvinism, where you're one of the chosen ones, God chose (laughs) you, and you're perfect, you know, basically. And it was created for
1: narcissists. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it it totally was. I mean, yeah, I mean, my mom and dad, when they got married and got um and were converted by by somebody in one of their classes or something like that that they were in um to a very mainstream christian church um but yeah since then i think he just latched on and was like oh this is perfect you know yeah <laughs> this is all, you know like <laughs> this is what i've been looking for so yeah <laughs> um, just, you know it's it's just a really great wa- way for a narcissist to hold on to power and to not have anybody question them, and yeah. um, not be held accountable, and that kind of thing for sure. Um, so I'm sure he was a very happy camper when with all that for a while. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a horrible thing. I was actually talking to somebody that was researching for a book, and she told me that they did a study and, of fundamentalist churches. Um, about 40 30 to 40 percent of the pastors and leadership are narcissists. Yeah. um i am not so, surprised
1: one bit yeah i, I wasn't surprised sure. either i was like I, i'm actually yeah. <laughs> surprised it's not higher
2: i yeah. think it probably is i really yeah don't. yeah because i when expected I back, that number that I, to be yeah, yeah. Yeah, I look back at like the different pastors and elders and deacons and everything. And I'm like, uh, there were a lot of narcissists. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that so yeah. I mean, it's just the worst combination I could think of to have that fundamentalism, especially the Calvinism and the narcissism going hand in hand. And along with that, of course, um, very conservative um political beliefs, of course. Um, very homophobic, very, very sexist, very just, you know, anything, any way you can be bigoted, he was, and it gave him an excuse for that too. Um, you know, gave him that feeling of superiority as the white man, you know, and all of that. And, you know, I've heard some of your podcasts, like feminism is such a threat to fundamentalism and that kind of thing. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I always knew I was a feminist because it just didn't make sense. That men and women weren't equal. It didn't yeah. make sense, and I was like, "It doesn't make sense." Like, if God created us, you know, with the same intellect, like this just doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, yeah. So yeah, um definitely embraced feminism pretty quickly as, <laughs> as soon as I, <laughs> <I'm could. sure. laughs> you know, I just needed I'm... to take back my power. I mean, just you know, to have a voice and have my own opinions and yeah. be able to make my own decisions, and you know. You know just everything it was just such freedom
1: yeah I'm really impressed when I hear your story about your mom because she definitely sounds like she has the the feminism um, behind her and the fact that she was able to hold on to some of that through all those years of your dad (laughs) and religion
2: secretly yes
1: (laughs) yeah that's actually like because usually the stories we hear they get worn that down get worn down till they're nothing till they're a shadow i mean i see it with my parents i mean
2: she was in some ways but she had a little spark left. i think (laughs) um she was uh, definitely feminist um atheist um she grew up an atheist and everything um and then was you know definitely a feminist until she married my dad he did the typical narcissist you know swoop in and get her married really fast you know and basically walk her down and that way she couldn't find out who he really was until after they were married and that kind of thing um and yeah I think that she just kind of slowly just got more and more tired with you know she wanted one child that was supposed to be me then it was like okay we'll have two and then my dad kept wanting more and you know you know by the time she had my youngest brother she was 40 and she had an appointment to have her tubes tied and bam she was pregnant again she was just exhausted so there was definitely a period where she was completely worn down and very just um you know I think depressed and just a shell of herself um but she would also still sneak things behind my dad's back if that makes sense like you know yeah just like regular music you know non-christian music and you know let us be more normal. If my dad was on a business trip or things like that, so there was a little bit of her left. So mm-hmm. I think that was my saving and grace. And my brothers, because yeah. none of us are religious, and none of us are narcissists. I think. I mean, <laughs> <want> think. <that. laughs> I won't go into that. But um, which one? Um, <laughs> yeah. Kidding. So I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, yeah. The fact that she um even when she homeschooled us she didn't just follow the yeah we had the creationism seminars we went to and all that stuff and you know the really conservative curriculum but she also was a big advocate for us embracing um whatever we want so like if we were you know really interested in like ancient egypt or you know whatever it was you know we could study that as much as we wanted and so she did want us to be free thinkers In spite of everything i think i think in the back of her mind she really didn't want us to turn out like my dad or like her especially for me you know she was always telling me you know be careful about men you know being get to know their families really well get to know them really well you know that kind of thing um so yeah it took her a long time and she was scared and um once she figured out the narcissism part and you know left religion it was an awkward house for them. You know, they were married, but they didn't sleep together in the same room hardly ever for 5, 10, 15 years. My dad would usually sleep downstairs and go up there for about an hour in the morning or something. And um, she basically didn't leave because she didn't want her family to shun her. And she also um, owned a house, my parents owned a house that was connected to my grandparents' house. Um, It was like a big compound house and until my grandmother passed away she really couldn't do anything um, like sell the house because my uncles were going to get part of the inheritance too so she was kind of stuck so it was like this in limbo spot where she wanted to leave couldn't stand him (laughs) he couldn't stand her pretty much it was just very awkward but um, yeah she once she was able to she did file for divorce right away and Um, yeah, I'm really proud of her. I mean, she's a different woman now. She's happy and Mm. free and, you know, just, you know, she's a coach now for other women to empower them um, Mm. that are basically restarting their lives um, at an older age. So I think that's really cool. She's giving back and, you know, using her experience for good. So I think that's amazing. That's really
1: neat.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is just how much, I mean, obviously a narcissist is is somebody that's immature and shallow and they've found coping mechanisms for drawing other people into their orbit and sucking their energy and, and using people. This is what narcissists tend to do. Um, oh, we talk yeah. about fuel. Um, they, they're looking for fuel all the time. They're looking for a yeah. supply. I mean,
2: supply. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah.
0: And unfortunately it sounds like your dad found uh, churches that would not confront him, but would enable him and actually protect him and, uh, maybe even encourage him in this sort of behavior of not loving and supporting his wife and his family, but using his wife and his family. Um, right. And I heard you mention a few times shunnings and um, that you had to do things that were unhealthy just for the church. Um, right. Is that an experience that you'd like to expound on? Because we, we're we trying to figure out how to be, I'm trying to figure out how to be a Christian and healthy and yeah. not, i'm not trying
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i i give um, up. up i tried i tried um, yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah i mean i guess as far as that goes it's an interesting question um yeah i mean it was just constant pressure um to basically conform to you know basically whatever they believed and you know if i i remember one time i would step down a line and buy uh Sunday school and asked about Deborah from the Old Testament and asked why, you know, Deborah was allowed to be a leader and women weren't allowed to be leaders in the church. And, you know, the pastor was not happy about that. Um, <laughs> things like that. And then, you know, like just little things because my mom would let me dress. She didn't want me to be that typical homeschool jean skirt wearing, jumper wearing, you know, kids. So she wanted us to look normal. She tried her best for us to fit in. That's why people are always like, you were homeschooled? Do you grow up in a cult? Like, what? Like, are you kidding me? You seem normal. But um, yeah, I mean, so she gave us a little bit more freedom. And my dad just kind of, I guess, didn't notice. And the church did, you know. And so little things like, you know, just wearing a, a shorter skirt, not like super short or not a mini skirt, even, but something just normal. Um, Oh, you must be cold. Oh, you must, you know. And then, Oh, you have to volunteer in the nursery because you're a girl like you. Why don't you want to volunteer in the nursery on Sundays? Well, I didn't really want to because I helped raise three brothers, you know, like I was done with kids. <laughs> didn't want to help change somebody else's kids diaper. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a constant, you know, like a constant pressure and you never knew what exactly to do right to make everybody happy. Um, my dad was... Very different um, in front of other people. Some people really didn't know what was going on at all. Um, you know, we were right up front. Every we had to fit in the front pew every Sunday. Couldn't sit anywhere else. Had to be all together. My dad would put his arm on. My mom never did that at home. You know, <laughs> acted affectionate. I acted loving. Acted kindness and that kind of thing. And you know, it was just a facade, and we just had to play the game and we had to basically be a different family um, around people because I do think that there were some that would have been like,, you know, if they'd known the truth, that um, completely everything that he did. So he definitely worked hard to make sure he we were looked like the perfect family and yeah. that the church leadership thought we were perfect and that kind of thing. so. I'm sure he was very, very, very angry at my mother for what she did, but he didn't really show it a lot. So um, I think he just didn't know what to do. He was so mad, like he just shut down. And so, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, definitely const- constant pressure. So, and it's really hard to figure out with Calvinist churches, especially what to do right because mm-hmm. you know you're supposed to kind of instinctively know as a chosen person and not only uh-huh. really make mistakes and kind of you know instinctively know your bible really well because you know it's been breathed you know the holy spirit's breathed the word of god into you and and wow you know everything was taken so literally and then it was so confusing because other things couldn't be and so it was a constant struggle it was just like okay i I had my intellectual side that knew what I should truth or that this wasn't the truth. And then I also had the part of me that wanted to be perfect, but still couldn't even do that Um, because it was just impossible. I mean, especially with Calvinism and reformed um, people. I really think that's honestly the most cruel and heartless of all of the denominations, in fact, even fundamentalism.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, hearing you speak about it, and I knew of Calvinism, but I didn't know the extreme, like where it leads to, if you follow that path, where it leads to, and I just cannot imagine how anyone can be in Calvinism and not have anxiety disorder. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're talking about as a child, and you hear all this horribleness, and what you'll be sent to if you're not a Christian, but you're, your hands are tied to do anything about it it's like right how oh my goodness like I mean I have five kids and I just think what if I told them they were so bad and they were going to hell and burn forever and there's nothing yeah. they can do to escape it
2: yeah <laughs> I mean like literally I would like if we would like burn our hand or something like we'd be like oh imagine what that's gonna be like and how oh. I'm, like you know and stuff like that I mean there's like any I mean it's just like everything wow. you could imagine like just I remember one time my dad took us to a church to like some sort of play where they were showing you know sinners you know like gay people or, like, getting AIDS <laughs> and going to hell and they actually showed hell like a theatrical version of it and I remember after that I was like dad I really think I, I really think I'm a believer and he was like no you're too young and I'm like oh why would you do that to me like you know That's like horrible. why would you like show me that and then like and then tell me that I'm not worthy I mean I wasn't anything that was being shown I was you know, following the bible so it was
1: terrible how do they decide
2: when you're
1: chosen one like is it because you please them enough
2: (laughs) yeah it's your actions um and basically your parents I think a lot they can you know the the leadership of the church kind of trust your parents that they say, you know, they're, you know, they seem like they really understand the word of God and really believe the word of God. And, you know, I think, you know, and obviously they, we were told that the chances of us being chosen were high, obviously, because God had chosen us to be born into that family. Um, so that was said, but it, that wasn't enough. I mean, because yeah. I was like, what if I die before they're like, you guys tell me I can get baptized or whatever, and that kind of thing. So um yeah I mean it's it's just that's why I think it's just the most cruel and heartless
1: very cruel yeah I
2: mean how do you
1: how do you deal with that I know you're out of it and you've been out of it for 20 years but that trauma that it gives to your body that reaction and that anxiety that you've had you had to live with for 19 years while live being forced to because that's your family like how do you have you found ways to help your body calm down from those memories? No, Cause I like the book, like the body keeps the score. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Yeah. Have you found ways to be able to help?
2: Yes. Yeah. Can, can I just say
0: one thing? Yeah. <laughs> because we're so, I, I feel like we're so normalized to talking about hell, but like, if you can imagine somebody in a war zone where they might have a bomb drop on their head and burn to death. And this child grows up for 10 years thinking any night, I could I could burn to death tonight and, and this is a, a literal thought well right. they're gonna grow up and have PTSD obviously they thought they were right. gonna burn to death
2: right absolutely But then
0: oh well well she grew up in a Christian home why do you have post-traumatic stress because it's the same thing right? yeah
2: exactly it's like impossible not to I think I would have had a demon without the religion because it's the narcissism but yeah. um that definitely made it know what anxiety attacks were when I was having them for years and years and years I just kind of dealt with it and kind of kept quiet because I knew my parents wouldn't be supportive or understand um and then you know as an adult um gosh it was hard I mean I still had problems sleeping you know I didn't you know there was a period where I drank a little bit too much you know to go to sleep and that kind of thing you know tried everything um, that I could, um, just, you know, counseling, like, you know, um, now meditation helps a lot. That's one of the things that I've finally gotten to the point. Where it took a lot of practice to get to the point where it worked. I used to try and I'm like, this doesn't work, but it really, if you practice it enough, um, that does help a lot. So that's reduced my anxiety. I have been on medicate, like anti-anxiety medication before for panic attacks, because I just couldn't work. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I mean, it would get too bad, and you know, it's like you're throwing up at work, or you, you know, like you're shaking, or you're clammy, and you, you know, and you're just like sweating or whatever it is, you know, it's like you need to be able to take a pill once in a while, yeah. to, you know, make a living, <laughs> but obviously, that's a lot of, oh, um, yeah, I think it's been a combination of counseling, um, just self love, you know, I've yeah. been practicing self-love and really trying that for the past five years um, which has been the hardest thing ever because I mean basically I was raised to hate myself everything I mean you're you know you're you know just you know you're you're a sinner you're like you're nothing you're you know absolutely horrible so you know that mixed with never being good enough on top of that with you know like you don't get good enough grades why do you get an A-minus why didn't you get an A plus like you know like why would you say it this way why didn't you say it that way and you know just it's like always something you know like why why do you have that opinion that's a horrible opinion why would you want to major in that in college why would you want only have two kids you know anything I did or said so yeah it was just it was just you know like every direction just constantly you know basically a bomb was going to drop in my head I did anymore yeah for sure yeah and then as an adult like even when I didn't expect it, it would just come out of the blue. I mean, and I would be like, oh ah! and I would not even know why. And it's PTSD, you know, yeah. that's something that, um, you know, I actually was going to do therapy for that. It's called EDMR therapy. I don't know if you've yes. heard of it. Yep. Um, and We've both counselor- done that. <laughs> oh, have you? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And it, it was not for me. She said that my trauma was too basically steady it wasn't like wow. isolated enough isolated incidents to focus on because i was just like I, I don't know everything like you know like when she would mm. ask me and she was like you're really not a good candidate for this like mm. you know even though you have ptsd it's just it was too much trauma too steady of trauma it was basically your like and your entire childhood was trauma so um talk therapy is for the best for me, that in meditation, mm-hmm. really just talking. And you know, even if they don't understand completely, just saying it and getting it out there. And the more I talk about it and speak my truth, and I'm just like, this is how it was, and this is how it is now. And I'm reclaiming really yeah. my life. And I'm, you know, like I, you know, I have the right to my own beliefs. And I'm proud of my beliefs, and I'm proud of my morals, I'm proud of my politics and all of that and getting to that point that's helped a lot you know so when finally accepting myself basically and being proud of myself for you know basically being smarter than that (laughs) you know I mean I'm not to say that people that are stuck in religion are stupid but you know just I was proud that I was able to dissect everything enough at a pretty young age to realize that it was not going to work Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: you should be proud. That was extremely hard work. And Mm -hmm. when you're raised in it, you don't have a before to compare to. Um, You don't know what is normal. So I'm hearing so much strength from you to hear just even at 10 years old, seeing those asking those questions and stomping (laughs) the leaders in the church, just asking those questions and seeing the hypocrisy and seeing how things didn't connect and how you left it and how you sought therapist and like many different ones, because they all bring different help in their own way. Right. (laughs) And and that's, that's incredible. Like, I just want to say good job because that is that is a lot of strength
2: that I'm hearing
1: in, in you, you're a strong person.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's different now. I mean, if you'd met me 10 years ago, it was not nearly as, you know okay basically it was a lot more anxiety a lot more you know um stress and that kind of thing but you know over the years you people do heal and you know you if you believe in yourself you have to believe in yourself you have to believe that it can get better and I just basically decided I was like my childhood was stolen from me I'm not gonna let my adulthood be stolen from me Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna let this define me and ruin my you know entire life because that's pointless so i mean i'm yeah. going to live my adult life for me and myself alone and that's that and if people have a problem with it i don't really care yeah. um <laughs> no,
1: you know that's part of having like narcissist family members you kind of learn like just to put up blocks i mean whether you go no contact or low contact you're just yeah, like exactly. if you're not going to be a good influence in my life i i can tell you're not going to be we're not going to be friends <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> yeah, I have one side that's all narcissists and they're not terribly religious. The other side, super fundamentalist. So it was that's just fun. like nobody <laughs> to turn to. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and my brothers and I, we all don't want kids. None of us are married. Um, I'm probably going to be the only one to get married, um, and maybe one of my brothers will, but they're not really interested. But we all kind of just got turned off by it, you know, yeah. especially being the oldest and being the girl and having that responsibility of having to help take care of the kids especially because my dad did nothing um so my mom of course was overwhelmed and I'm just I just I'm like no you know what I know like that people say it's you know the best thing that ever happens to you and I'm sure it is for a lot of people but if I don't have a deep desire for it why would I do it I need to listen and it's okay yeah exactly I mean if I had them I know I would love them but you know it's like I just you have a really choice want to live my life and I really want it I feel like there's so many kids out there that I could help you know and you know there's so many kids that are hurting maybe be abused different ways than I was but I'd rather focus on helping people that mm. need it and that gives me a lot of peace yeah so. So,
0: Tatiana, I just really appreciated you sharing your story. And uh, it was interesting to hear more about the Reformed Church from a different perspective, because I kind of saw it as a positive thing when I was in it. I kind of left other things to go that direction. Um, And now I am seeing definitely the dark side of Reformed theology as I'm kind of deconstructing. And uh, it was very interesting to hear your story and very hopeful to hear ways that you're healing from the complex post-traumatic stress of your childhood and actually finding some health on the way out of that. Thank you.
2: Thank Appreciate you for that. sharing. Yeah, thank, thank you, you
1: for sharing that. Thanks. It was really nice. Really nice to hear your
2: story. Well, thank you. You guys have been awesome. Definitely glad yeah. that I had a chance to talk to you for sure. Good. Well, thank you for joining us today on
1: our podcast, Seeking Health and stay tuned for more episodes.
2: Bye.